Hello everybody, this is Preacher Sean McMahon. We are now at part two of our study of the past fulfillment of the final chapters of the book of Revelation. In the previous installment, we established that the great white throne judgment prophecy was synonymous with the destruction of the heavens and the earth prophecies in the Old Testament and referenced by Christ in the epistle writers. And that this, in turn, is a prophecy of the end of the Mosaic Covenant Age, which came about when the temple and its priesthood were destroyed in A.D. 70. So this brings us to the next part of Pastor Bob Pete's question, because uh, YouTuber Pastor Bob Pete had a question about my original video, Full Preterist Eschatology 101, so that's what's uh, been the inspiration behind this study on Revelation. So Pastor Bob Pete had a long question, and we're getting to the next part of it, which was about the New Jerusalem. Now, Revelation 21, verse 10 says that St. John is taken in the Spirit to a mountain great and high, and he is shown the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out, out of heaven from God, shining with the glory of God. And the futurist interpretation of this prophecy is that this is yet to come. But this is incorrect, and this is fairly simple to show from the Bible. Now, according to St. Paul, the reality of this vision, this mountain vision, was already fulfilled by the time of the writing of the epistle to the Hebrews, because he writes clearly in this epistle about that mountain and the city in chapter 12, verse 22, in the epistle to the Hebrews. And he says, to the first generation of Christian believers, he says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So it's right there in the book of Hebrews. It's plain as day. St. Paul is saying to this first generation of Christians that they, just like St. John in his vision, had come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Now it shouldn't surprise us that St. John is seeing a vision of something which had already been fulfilled even in his own time. We often think of Revelation as, as a prophetic premonition, but in the first chapter of his Revelation, the Lord commands John, write down the things that you have seen, and the things that are, and the things that will happen after this. So he's commanded not just to write down things that would happen in the future, but also things that were going on in his own time. And more than that, not just that, but things that he had already seen. And that's important, because John had seen this city, this holy city, descend on Pentecost. He'd seen that happen. And he'd seen it descend on Pentecost just as it was foretold by the prophet Joel. And Peter, the apostle Peter himself, declared that Joel's prophecy was fulfilled in that day on Pentecost. He says, what you're seeing today, right now, here on Pentecost, all of us speaking in tongues, etc. This isn't drunkenness, but you're seeing that which was spoken of by Joel. Now you can find all this in the book of Acts, chapter 2. But Peter, in this discourse on Pentecost, he actually quotes Joel's prophecy. He says, Peter says, quoting this prophecy, Peter says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. So Peter starts with Joel's words, saying, in the last days. And by starting with this, Peter is showing that he was very clear that the last days were upon his generation because he's saying, this is being fulfilled. This prophecy is being fulfilled right now. This prophecy, which begins with, 
in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. So here's the prophecy that Peter quotes. He says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my manservants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I want to touch on one or two things right here, okay? Notice how it says, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. This punctuates the prophecy saying, this is what happens before the day of the Lord, okay? Right before that, he says, blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. This is a prophecy that Peter said was fulfilled on this day, okay? So it's established. This, this is stuff that happens before the day of the Lord, okay? But we're, accom we're accustomed to thinking that blood and fire, billows of smoke, sun will be turned to darkness, moon turned to blood. People are often taught that this happens on the day of the Lord, right? When the world ends is what they're taught. The prophecy of Joel says, no, all that stuff happens before the day of the Lord. Now, this is crucial. Peter says that this prophecy is fulfilled in his day in Pentecost. That means the sun already was turned to darkness, the moon to blood, right? Why do you think the gospel writers made a point to say that when Christ was crucified, that there was darkness on the earth, etc.? We have to read some of these prophecies into that account because these apostles were, were writing all these things for a reason to show that these prophecies for, were fulfilled. So I, I wanted to touch on that point because... You have to accept Peter at his word. He cited this prophecy with the preface, this is being fulfilled today, okay? Now, there's something interesting about this prophecy of Joel and, and, and Peter's quoting it because there's more to this prophecy of, of Joel's which Peter did not relate, but which his Jewish listeners would have known. Here's the rest of the prophecy following Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's where Peter left off. But here's where Joel goes on. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has promised, among the remnant called by the Lord. Okay? That's the rest of Joel's prop prophecy. But in the place of these words, which Peter's listeners would have expected to hear next, Peter spoke instead of Jesus. Of Jesus. And this is a this is on purpose, and I'll get to that in a moment. But first, let's look at what Peter says about Jesus here. He says, Men of Israel, listen to this message. Jesus of Nazareth was a man certified by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So he speaks of Christ's miracles, wonders, and signs. Why? to correspond to Joel's prophecy just quoted, where Joel said, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. So Peter is saying Christ's wonders and signs had already fulfilled Joel's prophecy. This is more proof Peter taught that the last days of Joel were present. 
in his day. Now back to why Peter substituted the preaching of Jesus with Joel's words about Zion and Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? Why did he do that? Now, the church is called the Bride of Christ. No one argues with that. So I'll draw your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, okay? Where Paul says, I am jealous over you. I'm jealous over you. That's the Corinthian church. He says, I am jealous over you, Corinthian church, with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. St. Paul speaks as if he, like a priest or officiant at a wedding, has already espoused the Corinthian church to her husband like a chaste virgin, like a bride to her husband. Okay? Did you catch that? The marriage has already taken place. Unless anyone say that Paul did not espouse, but rather betroth, right? Or pledge a bride-to-be to her husband-to-be. Got to compare the Greek. The word used here is herma semen. Okay, whereas with Joseph and Mary, no one argues that they weren't married. Joseph and Mary were not yet married, but betrothed or pledged. And the Greek word used there is menesteo. And the usage is consistent throughout the text. So Paul did not betroth the church in Corinth to God, right? He espoused them. He married them like a priest. He married them together. He espoused them together. doesn't say like a bride-to-be with a husband-to-be. It says, I espoused you to one husband, okay? Now, by the way, lest anyone think that I or even St. Paul claimed that he was the one who joined together the church in Christ, right? Christ himself shows that only God presides over a marriage. When he said regarding marriage that a man and wife united in marriage are one flesh and therefore what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. That's what he says in Mark 10 verse 9, right? He talks about marriage. He says, that is God's work. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So, by the way, a bride and her husband are joined in marriage. And when they're joined in marriage, they're one flesh. They are one body. So bearing that in mind, recall that Revelation describes the new Jerusalem, who we know to be the church, descending like a bride. Okay? Why wouldn't this bride also be one body with her husband in marriage, right? What God has joined together is one flesh. Let not man put it asunder. Therefore, if the bride, the church, is Mount Zion and the heavenly Jerusalem, then the husband with whom she is one flesh is also Mount Zion and Jerusalem. And this is why St. Peter speaks of Christ in place of Joel's words about Mount Zion and Jerusalem. Because just as the prophecy says that on Mount Zion and Jerusalem there would be deliverance, so is deliverance found in Christ Jesus, who is one with his bride, the church, who is Mount Zion and Jerusalem. The marriage of Christ and his church is very, very important because without a marriage, there can't be a wedding feast, okay? And it's precisely to a wedding feast that Christ compared the coming of the kingdom, the day of the Lord. So, 
Bearing that in mind, we will continue this discussion about the wedding feast in the following part to come. Thanks for listening.